You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you find a partner you love enough to have children with, losing that relationship can hurt a lot, particularly when that partner has cheated on you. Where do you go from there? How do you pick yourself up and continue to be the parent and person you want to be? Sally Ann Hartnell is a relationship coach for women at Reflect Coaching. Hi, Sally Ann. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm very well, thank you. So let's paint the scenario. You've just found out your husband is cheating on you. What is the very first thing you should do or you could do? at that point where you feel your life has just exploded around you? This is going to sound counterintuitive, but I really believe the very first thing you should do is nothing. Right. You should go quiet, be calm, and really take your time. Don't make rash or hurried decisions. Definitely don't blast it out into the wider world on your social media channels. Don't throw his stuff out the front door onto the, <laughs> onto the pavement and don't make it, don't run out and make an appointment with the first family lawyer you find or the first, you know, the first one that pops up when, on your Google search. Do nothing because the first steps in any separation, particularly when there are children involved, but the first steps in any separation really set the tone of how it's going to go. Now, if you've just been blindsided by your life partner, the person that you thought you were going to spend your happy ever after with, you're hurt, you're in pain, and you're not actually making objective, rational, sound decisions. Um, and so while he's already set the tone to of the separation to some degree, you still have control to... In, in terms of how you respond. So the first thing I would suggest anyone does is just do nothing. Go quiet for a little bit because meeting him with fire or um, anger, even if you might be feeling that, it won't help guide you through your next steps calmly, logically, rationally. That sounds so interesting and also incredibly challenging. Um, <laughs> I know what I'd want to do. <laughs> it would not be being quiet, that's for sure. Um, let's say you know on a rational level that that is the right response, but you're not sure you have the wherewithal to do that and you just want to go and cut the crotch out of all of his trousers or her trousers, <laughs> let's say, um, do you have any tips on how you can try and and hold on to that stillness or that uh, non-reactivity, I guess, um, even though inside you're just desperate to get something out? When I say do nothing, I don't really mean don't react, don't respond, don't feel all the feelings. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's just impossible to do. But in terms of reacting and do, yeah, cutting the crutch out of all the all the expensive suits or underwear or whatever it is, those are the things that are probably not supportive of you. So if you're feeling like that, find other ways to let your emotion and your anger out. Gather a couple of really close friends around you or a counsellor or a coach, someone who you can really let it out with. Um, go to the gym. 
punch that punching bag, find <laughs> other really healthy ways that you can let the anger and the emotion out. Write a letter, write your letter to him, whether you actually deliver it ever or not, writing it and then ripping it up and burning it can be really cathartic. Um, journaling is really powerful uh, and I would suggest that anybody Anybody who's navigating separation, divorce, regardless of whether there's been an infidelity, journaling is a really powerful way to get things out that you really want to say but are just not going to be helpful. Mm. Um, the other interesting thing about that is um, you say you just said you can control the way you re respond to the situation and that's probably one of the hardest things, right, is that any kind of agency probably feels like it's been ripped away like you probably feel really quite helpless in the situation because they've made the decision to cheat and they've made the decision to betray you and you're kind of left with no choice but actually choosing to how you respond gives you an element of control back would you say that's part of it absolutely it's absolutely part of it because it is because it is the only thing that is within your power to control at that point, the way you respond, the way you react, the way you express your sadness, your disappointment, your anger, your hurt, your pain back to him and the way you move forward. That's the only thing that you can control. And in, turn, in reclaiming that for yourself, it is actually empowering. You don't feel like you're... So cast adrift and, as you said, just so out of control with nothing within your power to, to you know, this has been chosen for you, it's been thrust upon you, but you do still have agency and you do still have choice. Mm. Let's say you don't want your marriage to end even with that infidelity, but they're determined to leave for the other woman or, as I mentioned, other man. Is there any point in trying to convince them to stay? It's an awful situation to find yourself in, but in my experience, once someone has decided to leave, there's been a lot of water that's passed under the bridge prior to them getting to that point. Mm. It's not, it's not you, sometimes it is, but it's not usually a snap decision. Yeah. Which is probably not what you want to hear, but it's usually the truth. So my advice is to really focus on you. On what you most want are you actually willing to do the work are you willing to forgive are you willing to do the work that would it would take to solve the relationship issues that existed prior to the infidelity you know you didn't own him you didn't lose him he chose which is something that you said earlier you know he he chose this so he actually has to choose to come back. So there's not a lot of point in begging or pleading or bargaining. It often doesn't work. So the question again is what are you willing to do? And then asking that of your husband, your partner, you know, is he willing to commit 100% to giving the marriage, the relationship another chance? Is he willing to do the work? Is he willing to let go? And if the answer's just a bit wobbly or the answer's a dead set no, if there's ambivalence, then it, it's probably not going to work for you to, to try and hold on. Um, make it clear that if, if that's what you want, make it clear that you are willing to forgive 
But you need to really anchor into what you most want and whether you really are able and willing to forgive and heal your heart and your hurt to enable the relationship to have a second chance or third, or third chance or fourth, fourth chance, depending where you're at. At what point do you tell your children and how do you handle that? Because obviously it's not a good thing to keep secrets, but nor is it good role modelling to have their parent behave in this way. So, you know, it's one thing to say we're separating because we don't love each other anymore. It's another thing to say we're separating because your daddy or your mummy decided to be with someone else. Like how do you manage that? Yeah, look, it's it's always with children, it's always age and stage appropriate. And bearing in mind that the relationship between you as an intimate couple is different to their relationship with each of their parents. So it's not the kid's story. That part is not their story. So if there's infidelity and you feel like you want to blast the truth to your kids, ask who are we telling this truth for? Like who who are you serving in giving them the nitty-gritty details that daddy or mummy is leaving for another person? And most often the answer is not going to be that, it's serving the children. It's not, it's really not their story. And if you can, if it's possible, and it's not always going to be possible, if it's possible to take things slow and split out, that's terrible (laughs) because we're talking about split, if you can um, separate the actual separation from the introduction of the new partner, that is really supportive for children. So there's a separation. Mummy and Daddy aren't going to be living together. We're not a great team. Um, We're going to function better if we live in separate houses. I tend to avoid that we don't love each other anymore because that brings up questions. For younger children particularly, that will bring up questions of, well, if you don't love him anymore and he doesn't love you anymore, is there going to come a time when you don't love me anymore? So Mm -hmm. if you can separate out the telling about about the separation and the two homes and all that from the actual here's my new girlfriend, boyfriend, partner and isn't this all lovely, that is really supportive for children. Mm. And it seems in these situations that um, the right thing to do by your child can really cost you emotionally so for example if they do have a new partner and they bring that partner in without much consideration for the children or for you the right thing to do by the children is to try and cop that on the chin and not have a tantrum about it (laughs) and that's that sounds to me like we all want to be evolved human beings right but it does sound quite challenging what am I saying? It sounds near impossible Mm. to be okay with that, especially when your kids are involved. But it is so obvious that for kids to move forward and to be themselves secure, um, you need to be that the better person, right? So when the betrayal cuts bone deep as this can, and if that person continues the other person the other woman or the other man continues to be a part of your life how do we soothe our own wounds so we can be the better person like how do we we can't just ignore it because it it probably hurts too much oh absolutely look it's going to sound twee but time Mm. 
time and deep, deep self-care. Even going back to when, when we were first talking about what's the first thing you do, and I said the first thing you do is nothing, the second thing you do is really go inward on really deep self-care, nurture, wrap yourself up with love, whatever that looks like, so that you can start the healing from that first moment. Yeah, there's no shortcut, you know, you're going to, and it's not going to be a straight line journey. You've got grief, betrayal, upset, and then, and then dealing with this other person, not only in the life of your ex-partner, but in the life of your children. And yes, as much as it sucks, you need as best you can to hold a space for the children to have a good, solid relationship with, with their dad or their mum, but um, with their with their other parent, and if that involves another partner, then it's it's powerful to teach your kids to to relate with grace and kindness and compassion, and they're going to learn by the way you do it. Even though you might want to stab everybody in the eye with a fork, um, <laughs> it's really it's a really powerful lesson. And and I often talk to my clients about. What do you want your children to remember about this time, whether there's infidelity or whether there isn't infidelity? When you're, when you're separating, when you're re-establishing your lives as sole parents, new partners are coming in, what do you want them to remember? Do you want them to remember that you were just angry and fiery and yelling at each other and screaming at the, screaming at the new partner and she wasn't allowed in the house and or she wasn't allowed in the driveway, or do you want them to remember that you did the best you could, you were not, you were wobbly sometimes, but other times you were okay, and you showed them how to navigate your way through something really painful by being your best self. You mentioned that the second step after that um, experience of betrayal is to, you know, do some really deep self-care. What does that look like on a practical level? Like what are the things that if, if someone's sitting there right now, heartbroken, not knowing which way is up or down, um, what are those practical things, however simple or complicated they might be? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think initially, early stages, bring in a small team around you. A small team of supporters, your yeah. best your best girlfriend, your sister, your mum, you know, your neighbour who can help mow the lawn because you can't start the lawnmower. And I'm speaking from experience. I remember that <laughs> happening to me. I was like, oh, I cannot start this. You know, so whatever it is that you need to just get yourself through the day, through the week, try and try and bring that network tightly around you so that they're scaffolding you and your kids you know if you need someone to pick someone up from school and drop them to soccer training or whatever it is try and build that around you and if you are in a place where you just can't even see you you can't even decide what to how to get out of your pajamas in the morning outsource some of that to your best girlfriend or your sister just say can you do this for me I need this this and this so ask for the help you need and try and gather it around you deep self-care is when I talk about deep self-care, it's really individual to each person, but it's a lot about healthy eating, not drinking too much, not using all the things to numb yourself all the time. Like it's okay to sit in front of Netflix for 
you know, two days on the couch if that's what you need. But, you know, not numbing everything all the time, allowing the feelings, but putting in place, you know, good, good healthy structures around you so that you can navigate them. Get a counsellor, get a coach, talk to your GP, find someone to offload it. Um, if you need to send the kids away to grandma's for a few days, just so you can scream and cry and kick you know, kick the tree out the back, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. they don't really need to be witness to that. It can be pretty scary for young children to see their mum or their, their parent just um, falling apart a little bit. And let's face it, you're going to need to fall apart a little bit before mm-hmm. you start to put the put the pieces back together. Journaling, journaling is really powerful. And also meditation, mindfulness if it's something that works for you. When you're in the middle of a major trauma like this, trying to bring new things in that haven't been part of your self-care routine can be really challenging. So I encourage you to just keep it really simple. Mm. Healthy food, stick your feet on, bare feet on the grass, go for a walk in nature, sit out on the beach if that's your thing, whatever it is, you know, go for a swim, have a long shower, long bath, keep it really, really simple and just take the pressure off. And other practical things like, you know, if you need, if you need to, no kid ever died from um, having takeaway or toast, eggs on toast for dinner for a week, you know, mm. keep it really, really, really simple. And maybe, I mean, I'm only projecting here because I imagine it might be something particularly women feel, is accepting that you've been dealt a really harsh blow, that it is unfair, that it's that it's it's a big thing to happen and that it's okay to feel vulnerable. Because I feel sometimes as women and as mothers, we just think, uh, of course, we're heartbroken, but it, by, for some reason we should be able to cope with that. But maybe it's part of it is is just saying this has really knocked me for six and fair enough too. Absolutely. I think accepting that this is a really rough deal and that it's really okay to feel blindsided by it, to feel deeply hurt and to not know which way is up for a little while is perfectly normal. And that's why I say, you know, in those early, early days, if you need to send your kids to grandma for a few days and that's viable, just do it. Like mm. allow yourself that grace and then in the next little phase keep extending grace to yourself. It is hard and and it does suck and this and, and it's not fair. So really acknowledging all of that and allowing all of the feelings to rise. Again, I talk with my clients about allowing your feelings to rise, not pushing them down, not thinking, oh, I should have, I should have a handle on this by now. I should be fine with this. Allow the feelings to rise when they come up and see them through to the end. So if if your anger fires up and you're really angry at him, at the other person involved, allow that anger, but don't then just push it away. Okay, I'm done being angry. Allow yourself to go right through the anger because often at the other end of anger or underneath anger is something else. And it is the hurt, the pain, the betrayal. So allowing all of that to come up and rise and move right through it actually steps you forward faster than than pushing it down. Given you share children, it's likely that this person is always going to be a part of your life. 
how can we resolve those feelings in order to have a working relationship with them, basically because you need to for the children? Yeah, you need to, even though you would rather never see that person again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I encourage anyone who's sitting in this to think about how you want things to be, not next week, not next month, maybe not even next year. How do you want it to be in 5, 10 or 20 years' time? Mm. And how do you want your life to feel? How do you want to feel in that life? And what sort of mother, what sort of parent do you want to be? Because if we go right back to the beginning of our conversation, Siobhan, we talked about the only thing that you can control is your response here. Mm. So even though you want to have nothing to do with this person, you'd rather never see them again, as you said, you're bound together for life. So if you focus on how you want your future relationship with this person to be as a co-parent or as a parallel parent and start behaving and reacting and responding as that, as if you are already that person in that relationship, it's almost like putting on a, a different hat, you know, Mm. It's, I'm putting on my co-parent hat. I'm not dealing with this person as my ex-partner. I'm just dealing with them on as a co-parent. If you can split that out, even in the face of an infidelity, if you can split those two relationships out, over here is my relationship with him as intimate part. Once, once intimate partner, over here is my relationship with him or her as co-parents. That's really helpful. Keeping your kids front of front of mind and at the forefront of all your decisions and communicating only about the kids and keeping the emotion out of it keeping it really practical and and unemotional when you're speaking to him also probably again another supportive way to do that is to if you, if you really can't face him or you can't deal with him face-to-face or over the phone, put it all in writing. Yep. And it's better, to say, it's better to say to your ex slash co-parent, I'm struggling with this right now and I need us just to, I need to be able to take a step back. So for now, I'm going to communicate with you about the children in email or via text Give yourself the time and space and grace. You know, you've been blindsided, whoosh. He's already emotionally checked out and emotionally, even practically, probably 10, 12 steps down the path, further down the path than you are. So find practical ways that you can create that space so that you can kind of catch up in terms of the healing slash moving on. And and by not having that face-to-face interaction, you can be not poked and triggered quite so quite so painfully. It also just gives you time to deal with, um, you know, you don't have to respond straight away if it's mm. in text. Mm. Sally-Ann, that has been so great. I mean, I hope I never have to... <laughs> apply it but I imagine it would be very helpful for people who are in that such a difficult place thanks so much for your time today thanks Siobhan it's been great to share some time with you that's Sally Ann Hartnell she's a relationship coach for women at Reflect Coaching and if you'd like to find out more about Sally Ann and the work she does we'll put links in the notes of this episode Feed Play Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me 
Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.